Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I, I do encourage you to turn there. We're going to be going through that passage today um, carefully, so you'll be helped by, by looking at it um, as we do that. Our passage today is Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. As Pastor John mentioned, we're in the midst of a sermon series on our identity in Christ. So the last several weeks, we've been considering that together through various passages in the New Testament. So today we want to study Romans 6, 1 through 14, and I would ask the congregation, excuse me, Once again, to stand, please, in honor of God's word. Please follow along as I read our text this morning from God's word. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin." For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Thanks be to God for his word. Please be seated. So the last several weeks, we have been considering what the Bible teaches about our identity as Christians. I'm united to Christ. I am forgiven and counted righteous in God's sight. I'm an adopted child of God, even a son of God with full uh, privileges and inheritance awaiting me. So those are some of the wonderful truths that we have considered together And now the one that we want to look at today flows right out of that. In forgiving us and adopting us, what we see is God changes us into a different person. By saving us through Christ, God makes us a new creation. God's word here that we just read in verses 1 through 14 of Romans 6 is is like a, a systematic explanation. So my plan today is to simply go through it verse by verse with you. But as I do, I I pray that you will keep in mind the main truth of the sermon today. And that is, as a Christian, you are a new creation. 
You are no longer a slave to sin. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can choose not to sin and live for God's glory. So that's our main idea today, our main truth. Our text this morning begins in Romans 6, 1. And obviously we're jumping right into the kind of the middle of this book. And at this point in his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul has been explaining the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. How that through faith in Christ we are saved from the eternal punishment that we deserve and we are made right with our creator God. Our sins are forgiven and we are credited with the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. This amazing salvation Paul has been teaching through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Again and again, he's he's driven home this truth that this amazing salvation is by God's grace. It's given to us freely as a gift of God's grace. And what he just finished saying at the end of chapter 5 is, no matter how great your sin, God's grace is greater to forgive and save through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that brings us up here to, to now to chapter 6. And, and Paul knew, again, under the, under the uh, leading of the Holy Spirit, Paul knew that proclaiming this good news, proclaiming this gospel of, of God's grace, was going to raise some objections in those who were hearing this from him. And so that's why he's, he words verse 1 the way he does. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? See, Paul's anticipating people saying that his emphasis on God's grace will just encourage people to sin more. People will think, well, it doesn't matter how I live because I can just be forgiven, you know, because of God's grace. So that's what Paul is saying. Are Christians then, in anticipation, he raises the question, are Christians then just to continue uh, sinning? Are they to keep on sinning so that God's grace is highlighted and forgiving them? Answer, By no means, verse 2. By no means, that's a powerful statement. It's like saying, absolutely not. Verse 2 continues. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Notice the word sin there is singular. So he's not talking about individual sins we commit, but he's talking about the, the power of sin to which we are enslaved. To live in sin means to live a life controlled by sin. So you could word the question this way there in verse 2. How can we who are free from the enslaving power of sin still live a life controlled by sin? Notice that verse 2 is not exhorting Christians to die to sin, right? There's no command here. Rather, it's stating what is already true of every Christian It's stating a fact that Christians have died to sin. Therefore, to live under the control of sin would be absurd. It can't possibly happen. God's word says the same thing in in places like 1 John 3, verse 9, where it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. That's the same truth that he's teaching here. Christians have died to the ruling power of sin. So a Christian then living controlled by sin is impossible. And you might be wondering, well, well, how did we die to sin? Right? You're saying this is true of Christians. How did that happen? Verse 3. 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Notice that phrase, into Christ Jesus. At salvation, the Holy Spirit unites us to Christ through faith. Right? We considered that a few weeks ago, our, our union with Christ. So Christians, every Christian is in union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Something the Bible often calls being in Christ or with Christ. And because of that union, again, like we considered a couple weeks ago, because of that union with Jesus Christ, our sins, all of our sins, past, present, and future, have been charged to Christ, and his perfect righteousness then has been credited to us. And so here, Romans 6, verse 3, describes our being united with Christ, that union with Christ. It describes it as being baptized into Christ. Why why does it say it that way? Well, the Bible teaches that when God saves us, we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and, and, and indwells us, and the Spirit is the one who unites us to Christ. So understand that being united, we talk about the union with Christ, and I'm in Christ. Being united to Christ means that what happened to Christ is reckoned to have happened to us spiritually. So verse 3 says, we were baptized into Christ's death. Our union with Christ means that just as Christ died on the cross, so when God saves us, something in us dies. verse 4 elaborates on that truth. We were buried, therefore, verse 4, with him by baptism into death. Remember, baptism is describing our being united to Christ. And so when God saves us, what, what this is teaching is we are united to Christ's death and burial. And burial there is just emphasizing the fact of, of his death, really, right? I mean, you bury something that has died, <laughs> So it's saying, in Christ, we really did die to sin. We are united to Christ's death. And we shall see here very shortly, we're also united to his resurrection. For what purpose then? For what purpose have we been united to Christ's death and resurrection? Well, verse 4 goes on to tell us. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death... Here it is. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Walk is the Bible's uh, way of describing how we live, right? Your walk, how you live. So walk in newness of life means to live a new life. We died and were raised with Christ Why? So that we might live a new life. Again, Christians are united to Christ's death and resurrection. And that means that Christ's death and resurrection becomes our death and resurrection. So that's pretty cool to think about, isn't it? When God saved you, a spiritual death and resurrection took place in you. We heard earlier in the scripture reading from Ephesians 2. That without Christ, we are all separated from God and enslaved to sin. Remember how it described it? We're, we're blindly following the course of this world. 
right? We're, we're just kind of doing what everybody else does, but it, we're sinning against our creator, and so we're enslaved to sin. We're, we're dead in our sins, it says. That's how we are without Christ or before Christ. But when God saves you and when he unites you to Christ, your old self, who lived in rebellion to God as a slave to sin, died. Your old self was buried with Christ, never to return again to the rule of sin. And just as Christ rose from the dead on the third day, you spiritually became a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is an important parallel verse to, to this truth. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Live a new life, right? Just what he's saying in Romans. When God saves us, he makes us a new creation. We have a brand new relationship with God through Christ. And God has taken away our rebellious hearts and he's given us new hearts that know God and want to please God. God has freed us from the ruling power of sin and he has given us, he's indwelt us with his Holy Spirit so that the Spirit can empower us and lead us to obeying God, to living that new life. So you see the picture there? Just as Christ came out of the tomb with resurrected life, so the Christian has been imparted with a new We could call it a new power of life through the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's what verse 4 is saying there. Christians are new creations. If you are a Christian today, you are a new creation. And verse 4 reminds us, and this is very fitting for today, right? Verse 4 reminds us that water baptism symbolizes these truths. Submerging a person back underwater pictures death and burial with Christ and then emerging out of the water pictures being raised to new life with Christ. Again, that is something that happens to us spiritually at our conversion through the Holy Spirit. But then water baptism is a way of picturing that, of proclaiming what has already taken place in the life of a Christian. Again, verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see, God makes us new creations through our union with Christ so that we can live differently. So that we can live this new life. Verse 5 then drives home this truth. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, and and again, the idea behind the Greek there is, is since, since we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Again, because of our union with Christ, we have been united in Christ's death. And now he's kind of pointing ahead physically. He's saying, and, and in Christ, like Christ, one day we will be raised from the dead physically. That's what we're looking forward to when Christ returns, right? And so now what he's saying is because we know that our bodies will be raised in the future, 
We are to walk in newness of life now. That is the emphasis in these verses. We are to live a new life now. Yes, we await a future resurrection at Christ's return, but we have already died to sin and been given new life now. We're new creations now. Therefore, we can live a new life now, free from the rule of sin. Look at verse 6 then. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. He's just kind of developing the truths that he's already been, been talking about. The moment you trusted in Christ as your Savior, your old self, again, who was enslaved to sin, died. He was crucified. You were crucified with Christ. Why? So that the body of sin, in other words, that's a way of saying that ruling power of sin might be brought to nothing. In other words, might be rendered powerless. In other words, sin's ruling power has been broken in the life of a Christian. So we should no longer live as if we are slaves to sin because we're not. Verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Again, new creation. Through your union with Christ, the the, the basic disposition of who you are, your, your, your very heart spiritually has been changed. God has set you free from the enslaving power of sin. And now verse 8 just really kind of restates what verse 5 taught. Now if we have died with Christ... Again, since we have died with Christ, right? We believe that we will also live with him. If we have died with Christ, which we have, we know that one day we will be raised with him. Again, that flows right out of our union with Christ. When Christ returns, everyone who is united to Christ by faith, through faith, by God's grace, will be raised in perfect, glorified bodies that are completely free from sin. That's what we have to look forward to. That's part of our inheritance, right? Our ultimate inheritance is, is God, but we'll be able to enjoy God in those perfect bodies with, free from sin and death. But this is teaching us that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us now. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of that future resurrection. And so again, in light of that future resurrection, we are to live now in resurrection power, he says. Now as I'm saying all this and stating what's true in the life of a Christian, I'm wondering if some of you might be thinking... Who are, who are Christians, and, and you know very well, just like I do, the battle of sin, the battle with sin, right? You might be thinking, well, you talk about being set free from the ruling power of sin, but I, I got to tell you, it doesn't feel that way sometimes, right? Sometimes it, and too often actually, sin's pull still seems very strong on me. You might be thinking that. And so, I don't know what you conclude, but you might be tempted to conclude, you know, maybe I've, maybe I, I've fallen back into slavery to sin. And again, what the text says is, that's impossible for a Christian, technically, to do. In verse 9, he's going to prove it. Look at verse 9. 
We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So he points us to Christ and says, he's our our pattern. He's our forerunner. He's our first fruits in this. Christ died on the cross and then on the third day he rose victorious over sin and death. And by his resurrection, by his life, death, and resurrection, we know that Christ has defeated sin and death once and for all. Right? Hebrews teaches that glorious truth. He's offered the perfect sacrifice. He's defeated sin and death once for all. Death no longer has mastery over Jesus. Jesus will never have to die again. He's never going to have to offer himself up as a sacrifice again. It is finished. And so what this is teaching then is, just as Christ will never have to submit himself to death again, so we as believers who are in Christ should never place ourselves back under the power of sin. Sin was once our master, but it is never to be that again. Sin's ruling power is now broken once and for all in the life of a Christian. Sin's ruling power. So far in this passage then, and really what's interesting, I know we haven't been doing a series through Romans right now, but all the way through Romans, all the way up to this uh, Romans 6.10, there have been no commands in Romans for, for believers. No imperatives. It's all been what is called indicatives. It's all been just stating facts. This is what's true about you. This is what's true about what Christ has done. This is what's true about sin. Now in Christ, this is what's true about you. This is what's true about you. No commands yet. And the very first one comes in our next verse. Verse 11. Right? So you see how the first ten verses even that we've considered today has been all, this is what's true about you. You are dead to sin but alive to God. You've been set free. You've been baptized in Christ. This is what's true. So then the command comes in verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's the command. Consider yourselves. That consider means to acknowledge something that has already happened. (laughs) The word consider there is a call, or this verse is a call for us to believe something to be true... Because it is true. (laughs) It's to line up our thinking with truth. To bring our our thinking in line with God-given reality. Christ-purchased reality. So he says, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Think of yourselves this way because that is how you truly are. That's what verse 11 is saying. So again, I just want to encourage you today, Christian. Hear these truths. By God's grace and through faith in Christ, you've been brought into union with Christ. And that has changed who you are. Christian, today, you have actually died to sin with Christ. Christian, you truly are no longer a slave to sin. Christian, you really are a new creation with the indwelling Holy Spirit inside you. This newness, this new, new creation-ness <laughs> is a settled fact. 
But what verse 11 is saying, it's also something that we must continually think about and act upon. It's true, but now we need to remember that and we need to live in light of that truth. So when faced with temptation to sin, which we all are faced with it, both from without and from within, (laughs) what can the Christian say to that temptation? The Christian can say, no, that is not who I am anymore. I am a new creation. To give in to this sin would, would contradict who God has made me in Christ. And that's what verse 12 then is is continuing to explain. Again, some more commands here, right? Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't let sin, don't let sin any longer rule over you because it doesn't. And here's a perfect time to insert a truth that's not original with me, but is so helpful for the Christian life. For the Christian... Sin no longer reigns, like verse 12 says, R-E-I-G-N, but it remains, right? For the Christian, sin no longer reigns, but it remains. Sin is still present around us in this fallen world and even in us. We still have remaining sin. We've been delivered from the penalty of sin, and praise God, we've been delivered from the ruling power of sin, but we've not yet been delivered from the presence of sin. That will happen one day when Christ returns. When, when Jesus comes back, he's going to destroy all sin once and for all. And again, we'll be raised in perfect bodies, perfect hearts, no more sin. So we have to, that to look forward to. But for, for now, as we await his return, we still deal with the presence of sin. And so as long as sin is present, sin is still going to try to regain dominion over us. Now again, sin can never fully do that in the life of a Christian, but it it can really bring a lot of pain. It can can, um, really hinder us from bringing glory to God. It can hinder us from enjoying who we are in Christ and the relationship that's been purchased for us in Christ. So sin can still cause a lot of damage in the life of a Christian. And so by God's enabling, what verse 12 is teaching us, is we must not let sin reign over us. We must remember that we've been set free from sin and that by the Spirit's power then we can choose not to sin. When faced with that temptation, we can choose not to sin. Right? We still live in a, in a sinful world that throws temptations at us every day. And again, we still have sinful desires even in us that, that kind of look for those temptations quite honestly, right? But now as Christians, those desires no longer rule over us. They used to enslave us. Again, Ephesians 2 taught that. We used to be enslaved to those desires, but now no more. And so now when when you are tempted to sin, remember these truths. Remember that Christ has been raised, first of all, right? And because Christ has been raised, he has defeated sin, and you've been raised with Christ, And so in Christ, you've been set free from the ruling power of sin. 
Another good verse to jot down and memorize and, and, and remember in those moments is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There has no temptation taken you except which is common to man. But God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But will with the temptation also provide a way of escape. There's always a way of escape. And because you're no longer a slave to sin, by God's enabling, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can take that way of escape when you're faced with that temptation. In Christ, we are set free from the ruling power of sin. Christian, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are a new creation. You have new life in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So by his power, you can resist, you can flee temptations. You can cast off sinful desires, and you can instead choose to go down the path that the Spirit is leading you, a path of righteousness, a path of obedience, a path that brings glory to God, a path that enables you to enjoy God, a path that that sees through the lies and deception of sin and sees that God is what's truly satisfying. You have that power in you through the Holy Spirit, through God in you, through your union with Christ. And that's a huge change. Because before Christ, we were slaves to sin. Before Christ, it was only a matter of time until we gave in to to sin. Before Christ, we weren't free at all. Yeah, we were free to choose, how am I going to sin today? (laughs) But we weren't free to, to... We weren't able to be free from enslavement to sin. We weren't free to choose what we really needed, and that is Christ. But God in his his grace and power and mercy has set us free. He's made us alive in Christ. Sin no longer reigns, but it remains. And be encouraged that you have the Holy Spirit in you. And Ephesians 1 uh, says, and this is... Paul's prayer when he's talking about, you know, I want you to know the power, that you have the same power in you that raised Christ from the dead and seated him far above all, all rule and, and, and all authority and dominion and power. We have that same power in us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. So consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. By the Spirit's power, you can choose to obey God and bring glory to him. And now the last few couple of verses, Paul's just getting specific with his application here. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. The picture there is of soldiers, right, coming and presenting their their arms, presenting their resources to the commander to be used for battle. And he's saying, no longer present your members, your mind, your, 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 your thoughts, your, your tongue, your, your, your feet, your actions. No longer present that to sin because sin is not your master anymore. It's not your commanding officer anymore. Rather, present your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Because you are dead to the power of sin in your life, you should no longer offer the members of your body as instruments for sin, but rather offer them as instruments for God to use for his glory. Because again, as we heard in Ephesians 2, he's, create, uh, he's prepared good works for us to do. Praise God. 
All my faculties as a Christian, my thinking, my desiring, my doing, every part of us is to be surrendered and yielded to God. We are to use our bodies and our hearts and minds to serve God and not to serve sin anymore because we've been set free. Because of Christ, I am free to offer myself to God. What what a blessed life. Still suffering, still battling with sin, but never alone in that. God is with me. God is empowering me. God is comforting me in the midst of my suffering. God is, is, is strengthening me and helping me in the midst of the battle. The spirit wars against the flesh. Verse 14, our our last verse. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Previously we were groaning under the, the weight of the law, but now grace has come into our lives and has replaced the awful, threatening judgment of the law. And what a good reminder for us that as Christians we live under grace. We were saved by grace through faith in Christ and now we continue to live by grace through faith in Christ. You are under grace. And again, as I talk about this and as I, as, as I remind us what's true of us as Christians and how we can choose not to sin, sadly, we, we know from our own experience, and I know from my experience, sadly, as Christians, there are times we do sin, aren't there? There are times when we, we do serve that old, defeated master. There are times when we forget who we are. We forget that we are dead to sin and alive to God. And so let this reminder about being under grace remind us what to do in those moments. What do you do, Christian, when you sin? What should you do? You should remember the gospel. You should remember God's grace. Remember that you are under God's grace. That all your sins have been charged to Christ. Including the ones you just did again and foolishly. All those sins have been charged to Christ. They've been paid for. His his wrath has been set. God's wrath has been satisfied. You are forgiven. And remember, Christ's perfect righteousness has been credited to you. Remember, you are forgiven and loved by God. Then in light of those precious, precious truths of the gospel, when you sin, then what should you do? You should draw near to God. Draw near to God, rehearsing those truths, and confess your sins. Confess how you just sinned. And then affirm God's love and forgiveness. And finally, request his grace, his, his power, his enabling, request his help to live as he wants you to live. Confess your sins, affirm God's love and forgiveness, and request God's help to change. C-A-R. We've talked about that before. I close with this. To any who are here today, who are without Christ. Right? Remember, being a Christian means you are united with Christ. But if you're not a Christian, you're, you're without Christ. You're not united to Christ. And so if, for any of you 
here today for whom that is true. I appeal to you to come to Christ. Come to Christ today. Without him, you are still separated from God and enslaved to sin. And that means no matter how hard you try, on your own, you will not be able to make yourselves right with God. And on your own, you will not be able to break free from the ruling power of sin. But Christ, and Christ alone, can set you free. Christ can forgive your sins. Christ can make you right with God. Christ can set you free. So turn from your sins and by faith embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you can do that right now where you are. And if you have any questions about that, talk, talk with someone, please. You, you're welcome to talk with me after the service or talk with whoever uh, you know already. Find freedom in Christ. Christian, you are a new creation. Praise God for the finished work of Christ. Praise God for the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Because of Christ, we are new creations. We are forgiven and raised with him to newness of life. Praise God for that freedom and that new life. May we live out that new life by his enabling to the glory of his name. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for these wonderful truths. What a mighty God you are. Sin and death are our greatest enemies, but Lord Jesus, you have defeated them. And we praise you for how you um, have graciously um, lavished on us this salvation. A salvation we don't deserve, a salvation we could never earn. But thank you for uniting us with, with Christ. Thank you for setting us free. Oh God, thank you for coming and living inside of us. What a blessing the, the indwelling Holy Spirit is. Not only reminding us of what, what our future holds, what we have to look forward to. But empowering us and reminding us of these truths. And leading us down paths of righteousness. Oh, help us to walk in the Spirit. Help us to live out who we are in Christ. Please continue to show your power and grace and and rescue any who are still in bondage today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand, please, and we'll continue our worship with another song.